This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. As we tape the game plan, we are counting down to first pitch of the Women's College World Series Championship Series featuring the Oklahoma Sooners, who came in as the 10 seed, didn't even host a Super Regional, and the Florida Gators, who have been pretty solid number one all season long. It's kind of a Cinderella story for Patty Gasso's crew, and we'll go in-depth coming up a little bit later on with Jessica Cootie from uh, Sooner Sports TV, kind of our regular here sometimes on our Tuesday edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. And Toby Rowland will kick things off coming up in just a bit. We'll talk about the Whistler, and we'll get Toby's take on the end of the baseball season. But real quick, just wanted to open with a big thank you for everyone who subscribes and who downloads the Sooner Sports Podcast. Our episode, if you want to look back in the archives, you can do this several different ways on Soonersports.tv slash podcast, or you can go to our SoundCloud page, search Sooner Radio Network, uh, or on iTunes, search uh, Oklahoma Sooners. The podcast we did with Sarah Roberts, the FCA director for women's softball, who has now left the Sooners, she's taken a job at Georgia, has been our most listened to podcast in which we talk about the power of three. I just wanted to take a moment to thank everyone, not only for downloading, but for sharing it. Uh, and, you know, that's that's one of those podcasts that's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime thing from not only in the conversation and the incredible conversationalist that Sarah is, but in having that story kind of take over and then seeing the team do what they're doing right now with Sooner Softball. So if you're still curious about why the three fingers are held in the air, or maybe even going back further, why Sooner softball fans hold their hands up in the air, you can check in the archives on Soonersports.tv slash podcast. Listen to our episode with Sarah Roberts. It's, um, you know, I, I don't try to get too cheesy, but it's definitely, it's a, it's a perspective-changing podcast, I think, and really getting how special Sarah Roberts was and the message that she was able to deliver to the Sooner softball team. Now, we like to kick off the game plan with Toby Rowland. Toby's traveling as the OU baseball team returns from Louisville, but uh, we taped it a little bit earlier, and he wanted to talk more about softball than anything else. You having fun, bud? Well, yesterday was a little bit of a gut-wrencher, I'll be honest with you. There was a few extra hairs that turned gray, uh, maybe some extra fingernails bit down to the quick while the offense kind of waited and bided its time, and then... Uh, here came one of the wildest fifth innings I think I've ever seen in Oklahoma giving up the lead and then becoming the first team in the Women's College World Series this year to rally from a deficit to take a lead. How about that stat? No no team had come from behind to take a lead when trailing, obviously, in the Women's College World Series until Oklahoma did it yesterday against Oregon. Just amazing. Just crazy. And this is like a whole new experience for me because we're actually – the whole schedule hasn't been, I guess, moved around or pushed around due to weather. I remember last right. year we had uh, we played late into the night on Sunday just to get to the point to where we could play in the championship series. So uh, it, was a, it was a pretty memorable weekend, Toby. And what blew me away even more 
uh, as we completely go all in on this, sorry, was that this will only be the sixth meeting between OU and Florida, and they've never met in the Women's College World Series. How how insane is that for these? And, and not just in the Women's College World Series, Toby. These two teams have never met in the postseason. And it's the first meeting between OU and Florida, who many people have seen as the top two programs in college softball over the last five to six to seven years. They haven't played since 2005. <laughs> That's insane. Did they get to spend that Patty long? Patty and Tim intentionally avoid scheduling each other? I uh, assume they do. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't, you know, to be honest with you, in all of the conversations that I've had with Coach Gasso this year and playing against so many former assistants and obviously former players, we've never really talked much about Florida. And so I don't know what that, that history was like. I don't know if it has been intentional, if it was something purposeful or what. But, yeah, here you, here you go. Now, now you've got an opportunity to, to see two of the best. I think basically after game one we all felt like these two teams were on a collision course to face each other, and now we get it. Best of three for a championship. I can't wait to get out there today. I love it when Tori, when the big play happens at Tori. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, she uh, – Ooh. it was kind of funny. We had a moment yesterday where uh, Macy Hatfield had hammered one down the line, and it looked like it was gone. And we both kind of jumped up, and when we did – uh, she stomped on my foot whenever she jumped up, and it was a pain unlike anything I've ever felt in the broadcast booth <laughs> because it was like a direct hit on the where the where the top of the foot connects the ankle. So uh, I battled through an injury yesterday, Toby. I mean, nice. you know, it wasn't just baby. wasn't just the players out there. So you've you've got to fill me in because the whole talk of the press box once we got things started, and I'm sure you've talked about this extensively. <laughs> But the talk in the press box was the Whistler and the relationship that you had created with the Whistler. I know not many fans uh-huh. were happy with that in the background, but how did you uh, how did you persevere through that? Lots of Excedrin. <laughs> Lots of Excedrin. Uh, I, it was an amazing thing. I, I've never uh, – of all the athletic feats I've seen in my life, I don't know that I've ever seen a more astonishing feat than this woman's ability to continuously whistle for nine innings yesterday. It was amazing. We tried everything. We tried talking to her husband. We tried buying her ice cream cones. We tried begging her to stop. It didn't matter what we did. She just kept whistling. So It was funny because I got to the park so early uh, that I I got to hear the first inning. And the four run first kind of allowed me to. All right, I'm, I'm maybe I'm bad luck here, so I'll check back in in a bit. And then when Jess showed up for our pregame hit at SoonerSports.com, she said the baseball game's so exciting. All anyone can talk about is this whistling person. And I was like, okay, that is just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I give you kudos for at least attempting, right, to be a bridge towards I don't know tolerance. I to make Pete. Uh, I mean, it was more self preservation than anything. I. Uh... It was eleven nothing. So one, the game wasn't very interesting, and two, honestly, she was giving me a headache. So I thought we might as well try to see if we can uh, end it. But I love it this help, tone so. too because he was trying to be humorous about it, but you could tell, I could tell how annoyed you are. No, no, uh, uh, heavily you, I annoyed. I knew you were annoyed by it. <laughs> 
I'll tell you what really hacked me off because I was kind of I was annoyed and then I was kind of having fun with it. But then I bought the lady the ice cream cone and she handed it to her husband and it kept whistling. That ticked me off. So then I yelled out I yelled out of the booth at him then. I was like, "Hey, I bought the ice cream cone for her." And he tried to hand it to her and she handed it back to him. So anyway, good try, man. Good try. That's right. Hey, have a great call tonight. We'll be tuned in, bud. We'll Thanks, get another Toby. dub. Let's do it. Let's get it done. We'll go more in-depth on the uh, baseball team with Toby coming up next week as everyone gets some time and some perspective for a squad that looks to be pretty loaded heading into the 2018 season. Now, all eyes on Oklahoma City as we get set for Oklahoma and Florida in the Women's College World Series Championship Series. Sooner Sports TV reporter Jessica Cooty has been there every single step of the way. And obviously, Jess, it has been exciting. And now we have the matchup that everyone has been looking forward to in Oklahoma and Florida, and it's pretty wild to see this run that the Sooner softball team has been on. I talked to a lot of them yesterday, and you know, listening to him in the press conference and, you know, how this is a 10 seed versus a 1 seed and how often that does not happen. But they've just never been a 10 seed to me. You know, I've yeah. just never really, like, seen them as such. Um, they've, they're a team that I kind of knew fell all along. They figured it out, and, and maybe they're still not getting as much credit as they should uh, because of some of the things that happened at the beginning of the season. But it's just – I don't think of them as – and they are the underdog, don't get me wrong. And they, they like that. They relish in that. They love that. Um, that's the that's the mentality they like to take and that they thrive in. But, um, you know, I just have never seen it as, oh, this is just astounding what they're doing. I kind of felt like they do that all along. You know, it's funny that you say that because I could not agree with you more. And that's been the weird thing for me when I look up and I see that 10 next to their name. And I think to myself, really? You know, <laughs> they were the 10 seed going. It shows you how messed up the entire seeding process was to begin with. But I think, Jess, too, it also says a lot about this team to where they wore that. You know, that was that was something that they looked at and thought to themselves, uh, hey, we're better than this and we're going to show people that we are. It didn't necessarily start off all that smoothly, but I, I love the way to where they've always looked at themselves as someone that has something to prove, which you don't get to do very often as a defending national champs, do you? No, not at all. And I mean, it, I think that's kind of at the beginning of the season. Uh -huh. A lot of people were, you know, maybe um, going to give Oklahoma their best. They're defending national title. They're preseason number one team for the first time in program history. But then it's like, oh, Oklahoma, they, they can't. Obviously, they can't do it this year. And I think uh, obviously they, they like that mentality more than they like uh, people trying to come in with a target on their back. They like to fly under the radar and, you know, when I was doing that game in Puerto Vallarta, and that's it's kind of what they wanted. It's, it's it's the approach that they wanted to take from the beginning, like, hey, this isn't about a title defense. But I think it took them a little while to really understand that, not to understand and figure out how to not think of it that way. Because yes. it's hard not to when yes. you just, you won a national title. How do you not go out there and think, oh, I want to defend this. I want to go back and do it again. But you have to completely erase that from your mind and not even – make it, um, you know, something that, that is in your regular thought process because it, it has nothing to do with what they're doing this year. And I think it took them a while to figure that out. And once they did, that's when things really started to click. Jess, we're going to talk a lot about last night. We're going to talk a lot about the Florida series. But I want to go back to Friday. And I know that it seems like it was about a month ago with how quickly this thing moves. But – I thought we got some really cool perspective on Fall A's, what ended up in the end, you know, being 
the tone setter for the game, the first run of the game, and you have the piece on Soonersports.tv. If you guys haven't seen it, it's a, it's a good, quick look at how that was nothing what Foley did running the base paths. Surprising to anybody because that's what she does in practice to challenge her teammates, specifically Leah Wodak. Yeah, and, you know, it's because Tori Nershaw obviously was part of it and saw it firsthand a year ago when Foley was a freshman and, like, um, you know, when she came in and, who is this little freshman and who does she think she is? And so when um, Tori kind of brought that up in a commercial break and then, um, you know, she talked about it a little bit on the radio, I was like, okay, I'm going to make this my post-game report. Well, sure enough, you know, Fale comes in the, uh, in the press conference and uh, the media is asking about the tag and everybody just starts laughing. So it was like, even without um, – you know, Tori told us, but it, it's so such a prominent thing. It's such it's such a something that happens every day with this team that it even without Tori knowing that they were going to do that, without them knowing Tori talked about it, it's just it's so common and it's so such a um, you know everyday occurrence for the softball team that it, it just it it was a funny kind of thing because they they it really irks them when Fale does it, and so for her to do it on that stage there of course of course it, it just makes perfect sense and not only did Fale have the run that kind of kick-started things but Jess she added some huge insurance for that team late in the game as well too you know it's been a different player every single game it seems for Oklahoma to kind of step up and make the big play both defensively and then at the plate I was literally just about to say the same thing how cool it's been throughout this um, World Series and, and really the, the tournament that it's been somebody different every game I feel like and it's been maybe a couple different players every time you know normally um, I mean aside from Paige Parker but um, you know normally in those press conferences they bring in it typically is for a lot of teams same people every time but for mm-hmm. Oklahoma it's been somebody different every time it comes to the press conference and I think that's kind of indicative of how this this is tournament has gone for this team because it has been a couple different people every time that have really stepped up and I thought it was really neat um, uh, I guess in the post game interview with um, uh, Holly Rowe Paige Parker went down the line uh, and thanked every single person in the pitching staff um, that has basically helped her to be um, fresh right now and we talked about that a little bit before you guys went on the air and you know, maybe thinking, oh, are they going to go with Mariah yesterday? But, you know, Paige, regardless of if she throws every single game from here on out and not very many people get any more innings, Paige is not where she's at right now without those other people. If they don't pitch at all, if Mariah doesn't pitch one pitch during the World Series, Paige is not feeling as good as she is right now if it wasn't for Mariah and if it wasn't for Paige Lowry. And so it has been a staff effort for them to even get to the championship series, despite it mainly being the Paige Parker show. And so I think that was neat that, you know, and, and Paige Parker's the first to tell you that. And she did it yesterday when she went through and named everybody by first and last name and said, look, we're not where we are without this staff, even though it has been me that's had the ball the majority of the time here in Oklahoma City. You know, it's kind of funny because I feel like, and I say this a lot in the post-game shows, um, but – we get so caught up in a big play at the plate. If it's Shea Knighton's bloop single, 
Uh, Nicole Pinley's run scoring double, uh, a Sid Romero home run, whatever it might be, that I just feel like we can't talk enough about the two pages. And specifically Paige Parker, because, you know, last year you went out there and you gave her the ball and you said, you got to give us seven or eight or nine, whatever it is. Now you give her the ball and you're like, give us five. You know, we can, you give us five good innings and we can go to Paige Lowry and Mariah Lopez still hasn't thrown. I mean, it's pretty incredible just to see what this staff has done. And then in that, to see just how good both Paige Parker and Paige Lowry have been. Yeah, and, and Coach Gassi talked about that as well um, in the you know, press conference last night, talked about how Paige Parker is right there every step of the way making the pitching decisions. When When is it good for Paige Lowry to come in? When does she feel like, okay, it's time to you know, give the ball? Who needs to, you know, you heard Coach Gassi talking about at Auburn um, asking Paige who, who, who needs to get the ball today. You know, it's, it's, that's what I think is really neat about Paige Parker is that she's involved with not just the decisions and the, the planning and the game planning for her games, but the whole pitching staff, you know, she's just as part of the decision-making on, on when to bring people in, who to do what, and then, you know, the, the game plan itself. Um, so I, I think that just speaks volumes of the type of person that Paige is, um, you know, how well she knows the game and how well she understands what the strengths and weaknesses of herself and her fellow pitchers are. It just can't say enough about how great that is, I think, as for Coach Gasol and Coach Lombardi to have that out of your ace. Um, I think that, that's a huge part of why they got to work back to where they are right now. It seemed crazy to me whenever I looked at the numbers and saw how few matchups there had actually been between Oklahoma and Florida. And as a matter of fact, tonight is going to be the first time these two teams have ever met in the postseasons. They haven't played since 2005, but yet consistently over the last five to six years, this is the series everyone wants to see, and boom, we finally get it. Yeah, I think it's super exciting, and then just all of it kind of history between even though they haven't played there's still a lot of history with um you know tim walton being the on the 1994 baseball national championship team they've got another this is the coach i believe that played for coach gasso as well so um you know that's he's talking about how well they know each other and they know their styles and they know how to play so not only you're going to see i believe i think this is the two best teams in the country i really do i think that as much as the seeding is crazy, I think they got right in who made it to the finals. And um, so not only are you seeing two of the best teams match up, but you're going to see um, two coaches that know each other. And, and um, you know, just a chess match, I feel like, between the two is going to be really fun to watch. You know, one thing, I hate to go back whenever we started to look forward. One thing that I thought was pretty cool yesterday was you could sense that there wasn't quite the energy in that stadium through the first four, four-and-a-half innings. And obviously it was deflated even more whenever the Sooners fell behind. Jess, I thought the fans then kind of found another level. I saw I saw people that I've seen all year long that, you know, they'll clap in their chair, but I saw them running around trying to get everyone to stand up and get up. You saw the, the power of three chant that started. I, I gave the fans a lot of credit for the way in which they kind of stepped up. They realized, hey, this team needs us. And, boy, they found another level on what was a record-setting day for crowds at Oklahoma City. Yeah, another thing that, um, that they brought up in the in post-game interviews with Shea and Nicole Penley is that 
it was almost like another, again, another gut punch for them when Oregon took the lead, and it was a wake-up call for them, and, and yeah, getting the crowd behind them, it was just, oh, okay, it's, yeah, let's get going now, it's, it's time to get going. We've got a championship series. We've got this, these people behind us. We've, you know, it, we they we allowed them to take the lead, so it's time to get to work. And so, yeah, I, I thought the crowd was great yesterday. They've been great all all week, I feel like. And, um, you know, they're, they've brought a lot of energy for this team. And, um, you know, I just think, again, the, the whole, um, you know, the lifting of the hands last year, the power of three this year, just kind of how – you know the team has engaged the fans. I feel like the team take or the the fans have taken a lot of pride and and um, you know in being a part of it and being involved. I think that's really neat, and I think that's been huge for um, you know the support that they've gotten. You know what? It's kind of crazy uh, to see. Patty Gasso in the post games, and I don't mean that in any negative way. Just to see the big smile on her face because she told us. Uh, I think you were there too, right before the uh, Super Regional. She said, I think this team can do something special. And then she reiterated it before the start of the World Series. And lo and behold, here they are, Jess. I mean, I, you've been there every step of the way. What have you seen in this team that's clicked? What have you seen that's allowed them to find that other level over the last, let's see, what now, 3-0 and in the World Series, 2-0 and in the Super Regionals, and then four straight wins in their own regional to even get to the Super Regional, and these nine straight wins that they've put together? Um, I think they're having fun, and they're playing free, and they're enjoying themselves. I mean, it's, they, um, I think, again, you know, when you come in and, and you're talking about a title defense, I think they had a lot of pressure on them to start the season, and then they realized, you know, as much as what everybody else wants to say about us defending a title, we don't have to have that mindset. And so I think they started really having fun, really um, kind of playing off of, um, you know, really buying into the, the whole the power of three thing, but play, doing it for each other, doing it for the person beside you. And, um, you know, I think when you really buy into that, it becomes something that's bigger than yourself, and it allows for you to do things and, and to overcome things that maybe everybody else doubted that could. Love it. I love every single bit of it. Uh, and then, you know, one final thought on softball because I think we hit on it a little bit earlier. We've seen so many different players step up, but one player who has consistently found himself on the dais after the games is Leah Wodak. Her bunt that somehow stayed fair against Washington. Her bunt that somehow stayed fair against Oregon. And then, Jess, let's not lose sight of what she's done behind the plate. I think Leah would be the first one to tell you this hasn't been the offensive season that she wants. But to see the way that she's stepped up defensively, I think, has just been huge for this team in the postseason. Yeah, and that's, she has said that to um, you know, I have to just find a way any way I can. And, you know, that bunt yesterday was huge. And, um, you know, she said, I got two strikes on me. And they were laughing because she said, we got a call from Coach. And she was like, no, laughing. And then Coach said, you were safe. Of course I called it. So, um, but, you know, she just said, I got to find a way I can. But, you know, I'm not. I didn't have a great at bat, my first at bat, so I just got to find something that can get this team going. And I think that's the mentality. I think you said Tori brought that up yesterday. Um, just that that's the kind of teammate that you want. That 
she's just going to do anything and everything she can. And, you know, the way that she manages the pitching staff, you know, I talked about a lot about Paige earlier, but Leah plays a big role in that as well. And, you know, she's very close with the pitchers and she, you know, manages the, the, the staff uh, too with, with those three and four um, pitchers that she has. And, and so she's just as big a part of the success in the circle as well. So, yeah, I mean, She's someone that has struggled at the plate and be the first to admit it, but you know she's someone that's just going to do whatever she can to help get her team to, to where they need to be. Hey, and uh, real quick, because we haven't spent much time today, you were uh, you were there until the bitter end. I can confirm this. Jess, while the game was going on, had the phone out, was watching every last minute, still believed up until the final out that Sooner Baseball can get it done. I think this was one great first step. I hate to see Stoney's career come to an end because he's one of my all-time favorite Sooners, but I think there's a lot of excitement in store for this baseball team down the road. Absolutely. And, you know, talking with Coach Hughes, once they had gotten me um, the bid, that once they had punched their ticket and saw that they were where they would be going, he said, this is just the beginning, you know. Um, it's the first step, and it's it takes a long time to get the program, you know, turned around um, with how you, when a new coach comes in to get his players, to get his system in it, it takes a while. And so the, you, you kind of saw it this year and you saw the players really buy in and it's just a stepping stone. I mean, it's going to continue. I think each year, I think they're going to continue to build off of this, but this getting back there and, and getting that experience was huge. And, um, so, yeah, I think uh, good things are, to, are are coming with Oklahoma baseball. Awesome stuff, Jess. I'll see you out there tonight, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday. All righty. See you out there. That's Jessica Cootie. Coming up later this week, we're going to hear from National Championship men's golf coach Ryan Hibble, and hopefully – Hopefully, by Friday's podcast, we'll be talking about a national championship softball team as well, too. So thanks so much to Jess for joining us and to Toby Rowland. And as always, thank you to you for downloading and subscribing to the Sooner Sports Podcast. Uh, I've brought this up a lot, but we will be changing our delivery method. We're going to do this slowly to make sure that everyone who is subscribed to the Sooner Sports Podcast has no issue in getting all of our latest episodes. Make sure you go to Soonersports.tv slash podcast on the media player we have right there below that incredible caricature of my fat head. You'll see several ways in which you can subscribe if it's through uh, Stitcher or which uh, Google Play, whatever way in which you have podcasts delivered to you, if it's through iTunes, it's right there on that media player and make sure that you update your subscription and over the next couple of weeks, even into next month, we'll have more details on when that full-on change will take place. But until then, look forward to seeing you all out off exit 132A this week as Oklahoma looks to make it the fourth national championship in Sooner softball history. We have complete coverage for you all week long on the Sooner Radio Network, so make sure you're tuned in on Monday night at 6 p.m. on AM 1560, and then on Tuesday and maybe on Wednesday at 7 o'clock on AM 1560 as well. That's 1560-1560. Until then, everyone have a great week. We'll talk to you on Friday. And Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.